Well, we're in the middle of a, right in the middle of a series called Unwrap, Discovering Your Spiritual Gifts. This is not a Valentine's Day message. Sorry. Sorry about that. I hope you get to celebrate that this week uh, and have fun with that, but this is uh, not a message like that. I think last year we did fit that in somehow in the series we were in. Not so today, but uh, happy Valentine's Day <laughs> anyway. Um, we're in the middle of this series, and we're actually in part four of it, and I know there's guests here, so I kind of have to need to go through the introduction each time to make sure we're all on the same page, because when we talk about spiritual gifts, it can get confusing. And the reason is, is because in the New Testament, there's several places that talk about spiritual gifts, and they all use the same English word, gift. The problem is in the original Greek, it's three different words for the same English word gifts, meaning that there are three different categories and meanings for each of those places. And so it can get very confusing. So the three categories are the three different Greek words uh, based on that. Number one is motivational gifts. There we go. Bam. Motivational gifts is the first category. This is the one that we're spending the most time on in this series. This is the one we're spending the most time. This is what we're talking about right now. Number two, the second category is manifestation gifts. These are the gifts uh, like speaking in tongues, uh, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy. There's nine of those. In our final week of this series, we are going to talk about those. We're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what we believe about that, and uh, go through that as well. And then the third and final area are ministry or what I like, I like to use the word positional gifts. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church to run the church. And we put people in those positions based on the other two categories, okay? So I hope that makes sense. But here's the thing to remember about motivational gifts. Here's the key difference. We are born with and possess these motivational gifts from birth. From birth. So that's the key difference with that. Now, obviously, for these gifts to be in their purest form, we need to be saved. Dedicate our lives to Christ and then discover those gifts and then dedicate those gifts back to God so that they can be in their purest form. Now, motivational gifts motivate our behavior. They color our worldview. Everything we see, we see through the lens of our motivational gift. It affects how we react to things and how we talk to people and how we, how we interact with people, how we do our job, what we love, what we don't love, what we're good at, what we're not so good at. And so it's very important that we understand these things about ourselves and about others so that we can interact with them as well. So Peter gives us uh, a scripture about these motivational gifts in 1 Peter 4.10. And he says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to do what? Serve one another. Again, when these gifts are used in their purest form, they will benefit and help other people and not just you. And then Paul gives us a list of these gifts in Romans chapter 12, verse 6. He says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I've said it every single week. You do not have to be, nor are you called to be good at everything. 
Some of you think you are. You're not. Men, you're not. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that in there. We're stubborn sometimes. We think we can do it all. We cannot. We don't have to be. So, God, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, and we use the word perceive in our first week, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. We talked about that last week. If you are a teacher, teach well. That's today's lesson. And then verse 8, if your gift is to encourage or exhort others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, we're going to use the word administrator, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness or compassion to others, do it gladly. Now, in our last two sessions, again, we talked about the perceiver. How many perceivers were here? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Perceivers. All right. Praise the Lord for you guys. And then how many servers from last week? Raise your hand. Awesome. So this week, we're going to talk about the teacher. The teacher. Now, this early service really surprised me because statistically, this is one of the lowest responses. Okay? One of the lowest areas that you would have a response. But we had an altar full of people who felt like that their gift involved uh, the teacher gift. Now, we're going to talk about that in a minute. It's not the stereotypical teacher standing in front of the room, okay? There's a lot more to it than that. But I was really blessed to see an altar full of people who felt like that it was either their one, two, or three gift. They felt like it really hit them that way. So let's look at a definition. Now, everybody should have gotten a page or a sheet when you came in. Who did not? Please raise your hand right here. For my ushers. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Right over here. Edwin. Let's keep them up until you are served. Anybody? On the back of your page, if you'll write the definition, we're going to use the working definition for the teacher gift is a person who is gifted to research and instruct. A person who is gifted to research and instruct. Now, I want you to listen carefully to me. This gift is as much about the research part as it is the instruction part. Okay, you need to hear that very clearly. Some people with the high teacher gift, maybe it's not number one, but it's number two or number three, will never stand up in front of a class at all. My dad is a good case in point for this. He would be terrified to stand up right here and do what I... He would not do it. He would not do it. As a matter of fact, I can remember back... He worked at IBM years ago in Marietta, and he would occasionally have to do these little small group teachings with the you know presentations or whatever. And I remember he had a panic attack, had to go to the hospital for eight people to do a presentation for eight people. And yet, his, he's done this test before, and teacher is number two. So you've got to get the stereotypical idea of, of the fifth grade teacher in front of the class. That's not really what I'm talking about necessarily today. There's a lot more to it than that. So, But if teacher is your top gift, it turns out that it's number one, then it will involve the other side as well. There will be instruction involved and communication involved in that as well. So get out your sheets, get those ready, turn them around. We're going to begin 
Just like I said before, you have to answer honestly. Be honest. Don't skip ahead. I'm going to teach as we go. Um, again, everybody has their week where it really connects with you. It may not be this week, but it's important that you pay attention, even if this one doesn't connect with you, because you may be married to that person. Or you may have that person as your boss or as your child. And how practical and how important it is to understand these things about the people that live around you. I promise you it will help you. I promise you, especially if you're in management and you have people under you that are working for you to understand the different gifts. You'll be able to identify them quickly and know the best way to communicate and talk to that person and motivate, hello, that person. So it really is very practical. You answer zero, one, two, three, four, or five. Zero being never. Not me, ever. And five being all the time. That is between the eyes, totally me. So don't be afraid to put a zero or a five. All right, let's go. Number one, I like to present truth in a clear and logical way. I like to present truth. Now, this is obviously communication here. Now, this one is a five for me, okay? And let me just let you in on the fact that teacher is my number one gift along, it kind of tied with administrators. So those are both right there together at the top. And so this one is huge. As a matter of fact, if I could make it a six, I would. I mean, it's that big of a deal that I am, you probably noticed how, how I stop and say things again and again and again. It's because I want to make sure it's clear to you and that everyone has the opportunity to understand and leave here with something that's very clear and logical. So I spend a lot of time doing that and preparing for that. Um, now listen, here's the deal. Not all great speakers and communicators are teachers. Teacher gifted. They may be very good at what they do. Great communicators, great speakers, great orators, very interesting to listen to, but they don't present in that manner. Matter of fact, they're so gifted, they don't have to look at one note. It makes me sick. They just walk around and, and, and can just preach or talk or teach and, and just do an unbelievable job, but it's, it's it's not, it's not systematic. It's not always logical or clear. Sometimes they're all over the map. They're fun to listen to, but sometimes they're all over the map. So that's the difference. Uh, now, here, here's the deal. I want to be interesting. I work hard at communication because that's what I do. But I won't sacrifice... I hate to use the word entertain. I'm not going to sacrifice clarity to be more entertaining. Does that make sense? All right. I'll, I'll just move on. <laughs> um, one of my top priorities, let me just leave, leave you with this. One of my top priorities in preparing any sermon is clarity, making sure it's clear. All right, go ahead and answer this one. If this one hits you, just however it hits you, I like to present truth in a clear and logical way. And it may not be in front of a classroom. It may be in a small group. It may be one-on-one. -on -one. Number two, I don't take things at face value. I want proof. I don't take things at face value. I want proof. The teacher is not going to get caught up in an email scam. Not going to happen. They're a little bit more uh, cautious, skeptical, hopefully not paranoid sometimes. 
They're going to be slower to move into things. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to validate everything going to validate everything, including a teacher who will sit and listen to a preacher or a Bible teacher. They're not going to just take their word for it. They're going to look up, if they, if they quoted a scripture, they're probably going to, yeah, yeah, that's it. Or that's not even the same scripture. They're going to look it up. They're going to look at the context of it. They're going to, if it's a book, they're going to look at the back of the book. They're going to look at the glossary. They're going to look at the bibliography. Where did they get their information? Did they get their information from anywhere but their head? And if they didn't, if they can't prove what they've said, it doesn't matter how popular they are, how good they are, it doesn't matter to the teacher. They're not going to receive from that person because they couldn't validate what they were saying. All right? <laughs> Amen. I don't, like, I don't take things at face value. I want proof. They say that Thomas, in the Bible, the Apostle Thomas, had the teaching gift. He's one of those listed in the Bible with the teaching gift well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Because he, it was hard for him to believe that Jesus had been raised from the dead because until he could see him, until he could see proof, until he could touch the, the wounds and see the wounds, it was really hard. Now, does that excuse his lack of faith? We don't learn these things to give us excuses for poor behavior. I say it, I've got to say it again and again and again. It helps us to learn more about ourselves so we can improve our behavior. And sometimes, and this is hard for the teacher, sometimes you have to take things on faith. And that's where he struggled with this situation with Jesus because he couldn't see him. Go ahead and mark your answer. I don't take things at face value. I want proof. Number three, I love to study and do research. Come on. <laughs> A lot of fives on that one. Come on, kids. A lot of fives. No? No? To some of you, you can't fathom somebody saying that they enjoy studying ever or researching something. But to the teacher, when they find something that they love and are interested in, they will get lost in it for hours. They'll have books Stacked around them, their, their desk will have just everything, their computer will be on, they'll be researching and looking, and hours and hours will go by and they won't even notice it. They love to study and do research. I like to have 20 to 25 hours in every message. Is that necessary? Probably not, but I do it anyway because I love it. It's part of what I do. It's why I'm here. I love to study and do research. When I was doing my uh, master's degree in 2010, I was married, had kids, had a full-time job. And so I ended up on my day off, which was Friday, I had to do a lot of the work. And so what I would do is I would go to Panera Bread and sit all day long at Panera, drinking coffee. Six hours at Panera Bread doing my master's almost every single week. So when I got done with my master's two years later, I was finished, right? No need to go back to Panera. But do you know that I found myself waking up on Friday wanting to go to Panera? I was missing the research and the study. Now, there was, trust me, it wasn't all great. And there was stress because we had other things in life to deal with and writing papers and doing those things. But I was always teaching a class. I was always doing something. And so I used that time and I still went. I didn't go six hours, but I still went because I loved it. 
I love to study and do research. Mark your answer. I know I'm a nerd. It's fine. I'm good with it. You got to be comfortable in your own skin, right? Number three, I'm sorry, number four, I get upset when I know Scripture is being used out of context. Now, obviously, this is from a Christian perspective. I get upset when I know Scripture is being used out of... Now, here's the scenario. Maybe there's a megachurch or a megachurch pastor or a best-selling Christian author. They are the best thing since sliced bread. Everybody's talking about them. Everybody's quoting them on Facebook. Everybody's following them on Twitter. I mean, their churches are massive. People are flocking to them right and left. But the teacher has a hard time receiving from them because their messages are more inspirational than they are academic. And a lot of times they use very little scripture. It's like one scripture for the entire message, and sometimes it's a little bit forced. It's sort of out of context, maybe sometimes really out of context. I can do all things through Christ. I'm in the gym, and I can lift more. I can do... Y'all seen those t-shirts? Ah, it's fine. It's fine, okay? It just, for the teacher, it kind of rubs us the wrong way, because that's not what Paul was talking about. Paul was talking in that particular scripture that everybody uses. Paul was talking about, look, I know what it's like to have a lot. I've been rich before. But now I'm not. I know what it's like to have nothing. And if that's the case, if that's what I have to live with, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's more powerful to me than I can lift 300 pounds. Just saying. So it's a little harder. Now, here's, 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 what I've, here's what I've learned as I've gotten older, hopefully a little more mature. I do not throw rocks at anyone trying to do something for God. I don't for sure throw rocks at somebody who is doing something great for God, even though they don't present things the way I would or they don't preach the way I would, or they don't value it quite the way I would. I would never, because people are being saved in that ministry, people are being changed in that ministry, people are connecting to that ministry, and, and I see people try to throw rocks, and it does no, nothing but harm the, the, the body of Christ. And I refuse, refuse to do that, and you should as well, if you're a teacher, uh, personality and gift like me. It rubs us the wrong way. That's fine. Keep your mouth shut and pray for them. Come on. Yeah, go ahead. That's all right. That's all right. <clears throat> I need encouragement. <laughs> number, uh, let's see, number five. Go ahead and mark that one if you didn't already. Number five, I am emotionally controlled. <laughs> I am emotionally controlled. Quit looking at your spouse. All right. Of all the gifts, listen, of all the gifts, this is the one that grants, the teaching gift grants the greatest emotional equilibrium. My wife would call it dead. Just kidding. Boop. Come on. It's, there's no ups and downs. There's no roller coasters. There's nothing. None you know, the older I get, the less I can ride roller coasters, physically or figuratively. 
Last year we went to Six Flags and I, I, I rode two or three and I was done. I was about to lose my everything. I used to ride, I, come on, I used to, anybody have that experience? I used to ride all the time as a kid and I can't do it anymore. I cannot ride those roller coasters anymore and I don't like to ride them with people emotionally either. <clears throat> but I will. I will because I'm a pastor. Come on, that's the whole job. <laughs> God can help us. Again, this is not an excuse for me to be like, sorry. God helps me to understand myself and you with these gifts so that we can adjust and change and be aware of things in our life. Um, true story, there were three sisters who grew up with parents that were just fighting all the time. There was tension in the house. There was even verbal abuse in the home. This is a true story. The, the, these, these sisters would later grow up and become Christians. They would actually take this gifts test. Two of the sisters tested that their top gift was compassion. We haven't gotten there yet. It's our last week. But you can imagine compassion people are very sensitive. Well, the, the, the environment was so bad in the home that those, both of those girls left at 16 years old. And then the other girl tested, the other daughter tested for teacher. She was able to just shut it out, go in her room, and ignore it. Now, I'm sure it affected her, but not the same. And she was able to stay. So isn't that amazing how it affects and how these gifts affect different things? Teachers tend to be a little more detached from their circumstances than everybody else. This can be positive and negative. Sometimes our, 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 our number one gift is our greatest strength, and it can also be our greatest Weakness, And that's why we learn these things. It's, it helps us because it sometimes can insulate us from being hurt all the time. We don't get our feelings hurt very easily. We let things roll off pretty, pretty easily. We're not that sensitive. But on the other side of the coin, we're not that sensitive. We build walls. We don't let people in. We're very guarded. And so we have to be aware that that can be just as dangerous in a relationship as being emotionally unstable. Come on, come on, come on, help me. All right, number six, go ahead and mark your answer. I'm emotionally controlled. Number six, I prefer teaching believers to doing evangelism. I prefer teaching believers to doing evangelism. Everybody look at me. There should not be any shame in this. When it comes to personal evangelism and evangelism in general, it is not in the wheelhouse of the teacher. Does that give the teacher the excuse to never share their faith? No, it does not. They're just not as comfortable with it. When we're talking about street ministry, like Robert does down in Atlanta, such an awesome job, and what a gift he has down there, and amazing doing that down there. Uh, gifted to do that, the teacher is not drawn to that. They don't feel drawn to that. And that, we've got to be okay with that. We don't need to force people into areas that they're not good at and where they'll burn out. I've said that over and over again. That's like the server. You know, it signs up for everything. You know, signing up for the nursery when they don't even like babies. Not good. Not a good situation. So we have to be careful about that. But here's the deal. When a person gets saved and comes into the church, the teacher will spend countless hours 
getting ready to disciple and help that person grow. And the body of Christ needs both in operation. Can I get an amen from that? Now, this one hits me between the eyes. I'm definitely more comfortable doing this and challenging believers and strengthening believers, helping believers connect to their purpose and move forward in Christ. But that does not give me the excuse to not share our faith. We have to be intentional about that. We have to be more personal. And that's why the teacher struggles with it more because what I said in the last one, we're not, we don't let people in. And you have to let people in and be vulnerable to share your faith. You have to share your testimony. You have to give that up. And so we have to be intentional about that. We have to get past ourselves, sometimes get a little uncomfortable and share our faith because that's what it's all about. But we're, our, our wheelhouse, our gift is to, is to teach believers and to strengthen them and encourage them. Okay, got to move on. That's number six. Number seven, I try to solve problems with scriptural principles. Now, what I mean by that is that the teacher will try to solve everything through something they've learned in the Word of God first. They don't go anywhere else. They go straight here because they know the Word. They've studied, they've researched, they know the Word. This is from a Christian standpoint. The teacher will go to the Word of God first. I use, I try to solve problems with scriptural principles. Uh, now, I wholeheartedly agree with that approach. Here's, here's the problem. Everybody look at me. We teachers tend to just like to quote scripture at people at the worst possible time. You know, stuff like, all things work together for the good, brother, it's okay. And they're, you know, they've just lost somebody. Well, they, it's not what they need right now. They want to slap you right now. They don't want to hear that right now. What they want is you to close your mouth and just be there for them. Just put your arm around them and pray for them. That's, that's what they need. And so we need to be careful if we're wired this way, if we're motivated this way, to not just quote scripture at people at the wrong time because that's not going to help anything. All right? I try to solve problems with scriptural principles. Number eight, I am intellectually and academically sharp. Don't be shy about answering this honestly. God has gifted teachers to be the mind of the body of Christ. And often they have a higher IQ. Their, their, their learning comes much easier and quicker. Generally, teachers were or are good students. They're learning, learning to a teacher is like breathing. Anybody know anybody like that? Maybe you're like that. Come on, be honest. And it made you sick, didn't it? It's like they're not even trying. And it just comes naturally. To them. I'm intellectually and academically sharp. Go ahead and mark your answer for that. Self-explanatory. Number nine, I'm self-disciplined. This is fairly straightforward, but I, the point that I want to make about this, obviously, you, that, you know what that means. I'm self-disciplined. You know, with a teacher, preparation is everything. Preparation time, being prepared. My, the worst nightmare would be to come up here and not have anything ready for you. To not have anything prepared for you. Well, God tends to, to mess with stuff like that. 
How many were here the Sunday that I tried out back in August of 2015? Anybody here? There was quite a few from the early service. If you remember, I got on a plane right after that service to Nepal. And I was going to teach in a conference for two and a half weeks in Nepal. I was prepared for that. Well, when I got there that Saturday, the leader, <laughs> the leader of the mission, who was an exhorter, who could preach, you know, just drop the hat and preach at any moment and just never use one note, made me sick, and go for as long as he wanted to and just preach, 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 and everybody loved it. Well, he said, Alan, I need you to go two hours away with this interpreter, and I need you to hold two services this afternoon. What? What? You don't know what you're saying. He's like, no, I, I need you to go do this. There's a whole crowd of people waiting. They're, they've already been announced. You're, you're going. Another piece of information about Asia and about Nepal and about the Far East, you don't go and preach for 30 minutes. They will be offended because they've walked for miles to get there. They want you to preach for at, at the very least an hour and 15 to an hour and a half. And I had two services. What am I going to say for that long? I was scared to death. My teacher personality was like, gah, gah, gah. I mean, it was really, really hard. And so two hours over there, I'm, I'm just panicking. I'm panicking, and God, and I think I heard God laugh. Anybody ever hear God laugh? And you're like, this is not funny. This is not funny. I heard God laugh, and then he said, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of it. You trust me. You trust me, and I'll put the words in your mouth. And he began, the Holy Spirit began to download in me the miracles of Jesus, the stories, one by one, one by one. Do you have any pictures of that? You put, put that experience up there. There, there. That's me before I preached. <laughs> I'm in the back of the room praying to God. Jesus, help me. Help me. And he began to download these stories in me about the miracles of Jesus. And then God came down. And it was, can I just say, all him. Completely and totally. Go ahead and just go through some of those. God came down. It was a great group of people. I was, I was preaching right there on the story with, of the woman with the issue of blood. I was crawling on the ground and all kinds of stuff. We had altar calls. People were healed. People were set free. People were saved. I was, of course, it was, it was 98 degrees. And sweat just pouring off of me. And I was exhausted and done. But the people would not leave. I mean, it was just unbelievable, the presence. I finally just sat down. I was done. I was finished. But God was faithful. And the, the, the thing is, we go through, we have these gifts and we have these, these tendencies and we have these motivational things in our life. But when it comes down to it, if we'll give them over to God, he'll give us the strength to step outside of those things when we need to. And he will anoint us by the power of his Holy Spirit. But we have to trust him. Somebody give God praise. We have to give those things to him. Don't use them as a crutch. Don't use them as a crutch. As soon as we do, you've missed the whole point of this Series. I'm self-disciplined. Number 10, 
I have only a select circle of friends. A select circle of good friends. I'll say that, best friends, whatever. This is very similar to the perceiver, but for different reasons. The teacher really needs to have something strong in common with somebody to befriend them. I mean, to really get close and to share. Because they don't talk a lot. I know that's weird. The teacher, but it's, you got to get that stereotype out. Because a lot of times teachers are introverts. I know that's crazy. They're definitely not the life of the party. So a teacher needs to have those, those things that are of common interest. The perceiver's deal is they're very spiritually minded and just don't have time for it. And it's all prophetic and all those things. And then the teacher is more academic. Okay? Very similar outcome, but different reasons. Teachers are not drawn to superficial friendships. Um, and teachers do not enjoy meaningless chit-chat. We, we're not good at it. And what I'm talking about is just shooting the breeze. Okay? Some of you are... I told this in, my early, in the early service. I had a girlfriend in college. No comment from Kathy over here. I had a girlfriend in college who could say more, Dr. Thomason, without saying anything than anybody I've ever met in my life. It was a gift. I mean, more words per second without saying anything. I would, I would sit at, at night. I would be on the phone with her, the old school phone with a cable cord, and I'd be laying there, and I would fall asleep and I don't know how long I was out but it didn't matter I would wake up and she would still be going I didn't miss well I missed it but it didn't matter (laughs) teachers are not good and don't really enjoy meaningless chit chat sometimes they're loners A teacher might say this, put it on the screen, uh, some interaction with people is okay, but quite frankly, I just as soon curl up with a good book. (laughs) All right, you get the point. I have only a select circle of friends. Answer that one, please. All right, go ahead and add up your answers. Be careful as you add. Make sure it's accurate. Keep this page till the end of our series. While you're writing, it is so important, so important that if you have missed any of these sessions, that you go back and you do the test for the other, as, as whichever one you miss, because you want to have a full seven sheets at the end so that you can compare. I can't emphasize that enough. It's so important. Now, I want to close like I did before with four problem areas of the teacher. Write these on the back. Four problem areas, things that the teacher needs to be aware of. Number one, teachers tend to neglect the practical application of truth. Teachers are all about the content. They're all about the knowledge. They're all about what's in there, not as much about what does it mean to me. What, what does, you know, what, how do I apply this to my life? We have to be careful to make sure we give the folks something to apply to their life and not just information, Okay. Number two, teachers can be slow to accept viewpoints of others. That's like the perceiver again, for different reasons. The perceivers are on the spiritual side of things. The teacher is more just academic. 
We have to guard against the tendency to be stubborn, teachers. Come on. And be, have a know-it-all mentality. Teachers sometimes think they're the smartest person in the room. Sometimes they are, and sometimes they just make a fool of themselves. But here's, here's the deal. We can overcome this kind of mentality very easily. Shut your mouth and listen to somebody. You don't always have to have the word, the final word. You don't have to change your mind. There's no rule about that. You don't have to change your mind, but just listen to somebody else. Number three, teachers can develop pride in their intellectual ability. Anybody ever seen that in action? Proverbs 16, 18 says, first pride, this is the message version, first pride and then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Dangerous territory when we think we've got it all and we know it all. Number four, this is, this is, the, this is what I want you to really hear. Teachers can be legalistic and dogmatic. Legalistic and dogmatic. Everybody look at me. Teachers are all about truth and facts. The problem is, and what I remind us of, is Jesus came full of truth, yes, but also full of grace. John 1.14, he came full of grace and truth. Look at the screen. Truth kills without grace, but with grace it sets us free. Write that one down. Put it on Facebook. That's a good one. Truth kills without grace. It has for 2,000 years. But with grace, it will set us free. And the big idea today about the teacher, the teacher is a champion for truth and gifted to study and present the word of God and the body of Christ is blessed through their ministry. Would you back?